Hi, and welcome to another episode of Speaking of Signify. How are you? Good, I hope. Listen, on this episode, my guest is none other than George Yanni, the co-creator of Philips Hue. That's right, the guy who co-created the Philips Hue is on the podcast with me today. And George and I discuss the story of Hue, where it comes from, how it changed people's understanding of what light is. And George also opens up on the lessons he's learned through continuously developing such a revolutionary product. Our conversation also covers innovation, his feelings on having such an engaged user base, he loves it, spoiler alert, and also what he thinks the lighting industry deserves, which is more recognition. That's another spoiler. Listen, George talks about those things, and I listen and ask questions, because it's an interview, and that's how interviews work. Speaking of interviews, and speaking of Signify, let's go now to my interview with George Yanni. Where did Philips Hue come from? How did it come to be? Yeah, so I've had the great opportunity of being part of Philips Hue since the, the very first uh, inception. Um, so have uh, have seen how we've uh, started it and then scaled it up to the business it is today. Now, Philips Hue uh, actually uh, initially started as a tool for doing uh, prototype research on new remote controls. Um, so way back in uh, my career in, uh, in Philips Signify, um, I was working on a family of products called Living Colors. Um, so these were color changing uh, globe luminaires with a remote control to choose the color. Um, and I was you know, doing a pre-development and investigation project into um, new designs of remote controls to make it uh, easier to control, intuitive for controlling multiple lights. Um, and this was shortly after the first uh, iPhone came out. And I thought, uh, rather than go through months-long iteration cycles of actually mocking up and prototyping new hardware, why don't I simulate these remote controls on an iPhone screen um, with a, a web app and in that way be able to iterate on a, on a daily basis with, with user testing? Um, and that's when we actually made the first uh, apps for controlling lighting. And in doing that, uh, I was triggered actually why are we making these physical remote controls? There's so much more possibilities. We actually used phones as the primary way of interacting with our homes. You can have custom names, you can create custom content, you can visualize what you're doing. And so on the basis of that, I actually pitched to start a internal startup. Uh, we have a, a venture incubating division and I, I pitched, um, let's make uh, apps and cloud services for consumer lighting. And that was approved. And so I, I went and, uh, and we started this, uh, this kind of internal startup. I was uh, leading the kind of technology architecture development. And yeah, through that, we actually um, created what became uh, Philips Hue. And that was a, a really uh, exciting process because we really um, had the opportunity in this startup environment to not just look at the technology and the products, but also the go-to-market, the proposition. And we did all of that uh, in parallel, which really enabled us to challenge quite a few of the standard things that we had in, in, in selling lighting. And it, and it really comes uh, across when you think uh, how a light bulb is normally sold. It's something which you, you, know, you buy on a, on a shelf next to hundreds of other lights, um, limited ability to uh, communicate something new. Um, and so we totally rethought that and we pitched selling light bulbs to Apple uh, with, uh, next, to, uh, next to smartphones and laptops with staff that are well-trained to explain new concepts and propositions. We 
thought uh, not just about a single first product, uh, and then we moved on to the next. We thought about an ecosystem where we would be continuously software updating um, the products so that they would get better over time. And now, even 10 years after the launch, we are still software updating and giving new features to bulbs that were sold 10 years ago. Um, and I think that's really a, a, a kind of breakthrough, a, a mindset shift, thinking about uh, not just selling products, but selling a, an ecosystem that you invest in. And so there were really a lot of things that we were, we were able to change uh, in this environment. Um, and on the basis of that, uh, had this as kind of our core basis as we grew it and uh, became a more established business. When you think of the think back on that time, do you recognize a moment when you went, oh, this is going to be big or when you realized the potential but had to convince other people to come along? Like, how did that step change come about? So I think it was a series of small moments. Um, I think really up until the launch, we, we knew it would be a cool product, but we were worried it would still be a fairly niche product. After all, you know, we were proposing to sell a, a light bulb for $50 when the going price for lead light bulb was below $2. So it was quite a, a radical change, quite a, a gamble. Um, but I think that the, the few moments where we thought, okay, um, this, this can be something big, this can be a, a new wave of innovation for lighting. I think we worked quite fast to get samples of the product, like early prototypes in people's homes. Right, so we could see how they would actually use it and to choose which were the use cases we'd focus on. And I think uh, one of the first moments that actually this is something people really need and want was when uh, we had trouble actually getting them back from people. Uh, they, they really thought, oh, we can't, we can't live without this anymore. I'm so used to being able to do all of these use cases. So that was a validation. OK, this is a product that consumers will find cool. Uh, I think the second um, moment where we thought, OK, actually, this can be big is when we pitched uh, the product to Apple Retail and they said, yes, we're interested in, in, in selling these, these products, even at these prices, uh, we think there's potential. And having that validation from a you know, technology leader we all looked up to also made me think, oh, really, this can actually be, be, be big. Uh, and the fact that this technology is, is so new and we have to price it so differently from uh, existing lighting products, maybe this can work. Um, but I think the, the moment we really thought, oh, actually, this is going to be a big thing is, is when we did our, our first launch and uh, we, uh, yeah, we sold, basically sold out of all of our launch quality of products in a few days. Um, so that's really showed us this is not just a small niche. This can really be something big. And yeah, that's what we've been, uh, we've been growing uh, ever since. And yeah, I think uh, ev every year we find new ways to make this a more normal thing, to use lighting for more than just illumination is normal for more and more people. It's still not mainstream yet, uh, but it's definitely not a niche. Um, and uh, as we expand the functionality, as we improve the ease of use, um, it becomes yeah more and more meaningful to people every day. Were you surprised? Like, here's the thing. It sounds to me like there were a few moments of surprise for you, but also you, I mean, you were the one who came up with this. So you knew kind of in advance of people catching up. Were you surprised at, and are you surprised at how rapid the adoption process is or are you like yeah of course you're, you're getting it like how does that fit for you obviously i was a believer from day one that lighting should do way more than just be on or off right and kind of our, our mission with philips hue is to convince the world that lighting can do more for you have more value than just provide illumination so you know i was always convinced the question was are enough people convinced of this to invest in getting those benefits. And that's where 
I have been positively surprised at like how open people have been to integrating this kind of technology in their lives and how passionate uh, they are about the results and how they actually help us kind of evangelize all the, these additional benefits to their friends, families, colleagues. I, I think one of the, the, the nicest things uh, being a product creator is, is reading what consumers are, are saying uh, about uh, your product. And uh, we have, for example, a super active uh, social following. Um, our subreddit is, is amazing um, with all the people doing new surprising things. Um, uh, with Philips Hue, having way more sophisticated and fancy setups than I have in my own home, and actually giving us extremely direct and useful feedback about what functionality they'd like like us to work on next. You know, having built such a passionate following makes it super actually easy to do our product road mapping because yeah, we can just listen to what users want, and of course we try to surprise them occasionally as well, and we have insights they don't have. But yeah, a lot of our decisions are really based on what people want, and then we uh, we we love the community that's been built around it, they really help us uh, change the perception of what lighting can be. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, because you have such a, a close relationship and such a devoted fan base, how you're able to, or insofar as you are able to, or the company is able to utilize or extrapolate from those insights internally? Yes. So, um, of course, we have a lot of information from uh, from consumers about what is being used, what is liked, what is not liked, and especially on the kind of user experience uh, perspective. And these are insights that we, we, we can share with our other connected lighting products that are not targeting uh, consumers to, to, to help them build great experiences there as well. Um, that said, um, the, the products we have on the more professional side, you know, they are necessarily different, right? It's very different what you want from lighting in your own home than what you want in your, your office or your street lights. Um, but we do share insights uh, where, uh, where possible. Talking about, uh, you, you said, you know, in terms of how you interact with the, the customers or, you know, the people, the active subreddit, and how people inform the product design and the product roadmap, but also you like to surprise them without giving away too much. But can you talk a little bit about where you are right now in terms of how you see the ecosystem or just where you're positioned or just sort of speak to that, that general Philips Hue state of play in the here and now? Yeah, so, so we really try to be the most comprehensive um, smart lighting ecosystem, right? So we want to have the right products for any area of your home um, and the right use cases and, and capabilities for the consumers to use those lights um, to create more value than just illumination. And that, that's really what we, we are trying to achieve. Um, and we get you know, a huge amount of, of feedback from our, our community um, and we do our best to um, address um, those things. Now, a lot of the time, those are areas where they have small frustrations, where they would like to see it improved. Um, and so those are things that smoothly land on our roadmap. Um, but we have to not only do that, because yeah, if we had just listened to what, what consumers were asking for with the invention of Philips Hue, we would have never made Philips Hue, right? If all you know is a, uh, is a light bulb, no one is going to ask for a color-changing light bulb that sinks with the sun during the day. Right. So we have to surprise people and we have a, you know, a, a very rich heritage um, inside uh, Signify of, of lighting knowledge in different domains. A lot of the early Philips Hue use cases were acquired by different domains. 
Our light recipes, for example, are based on studies that we did in schools to give teachers um, different light settings to help students perform better, as an example. Um, and so we're always on the lookout for things we can borrow and adapt towards consumers from other domains or technologies which enable totally new um, use cases and ways of using lighting. Um, so there's a, a lot of uh, research that's going on into the, the science of light, the effect it has on your bodies um, and what we're doing in other domains or what other consumer electronics players are doing um, in the smart home. These are all inspirations to do things which are surprising. In the end, what we're trying to do um, is have lighting help you in surprising new ways. Uh, it's above your head all the time, so it should be doing something smarter than being on or off. Great. And I wanted to ask you about the, the future of Philips Hue and where, where you see it going, but I feel like you touched on that a little bit here and now. I don't know if there's more you want to say in terms of how you see the evolution of, or, or maybe not just smart home lighting, but the smart home and, and integration of, of different products and ecosystems? No, so um, I think we are far from finished um, in changing how people use light inside their homes. We have lots of more ideas to, to show to the world. Um, we have focused a lot um, in, a, in a few areas the last years. We focus a lot on ambience creation, so decorating your home with light, um, having light be an alternative to painting your walls, changing your curtains, making it a personal uh, space. Um, we still have some tricks up our sleeve there to make that even richer and easier for normal people to make beautiful lighting environments. Um, we've also focused a lot on home entertainment, uh, especially the last couple of years with our um, HDMI sync box and our, our gradient products. Um, I think there we're in a good place. We can do great things. Um, we need to iteratively improve, iteratively improve the portfolio, but we're really happy with uh, where we are. And that's been a long journey, but where we are now, I'm really happy. Um, I think we have the, the biggest opportunities which we're focusing on um, to flesh out more, give more possibilities to consumers around the health benefits of lighting, the well-being benefits of lighting. Uh, we have quite some functionality, but we think we could make that easier and more powerful um, to get the right light at the right time of day to help your circadian rhythm, to help you relax, sleep better, um, for example. So I think that's a, an active area of attention. And also in general, how we automate the lighting to make the interactions you have with it more valuable. Um, in the early days of Hue, um, yeah, lighting was another thing you have to control. And we've been chipping away at that to make it you know, easier to interact with your lighting than using a light switch. Um, and I think some nice features that we added recently um, is our natural light behavior um, on our smart button, where you press a single button and you get a different light setting depending on the time of day. So with as easy an interaction with the lighting, you get a richer experience. And I think there are even more powerful things we can do there um, to make it easy to use your lighting and not give you, you know, even more things to control in your home. It should support what you're doing, not force you to control new things. Cool. Now, before I ask you the five alternative questions, I wanted to ask you about the journey, which you you mentioned the journey up until now. And it, it seems to me like you've, well, it's, inarguable that you've come and uh you know and this idea has come such a long way from from the beginning until now and what is a lesson it doesn't need to be the lesson but what is something you've learned through this process that you would you would pass along to someone 
maybe in a, a similar position in product design or someone, you know, just graduating from university, what is something that this journey has taught you that you could share? So I think two things. I think the first thing, which was is maybe more an experience from like the initial um, years of Hue development is yeah, if you want to do something that is breakthrough, that is really new, that is yeah, reinventing the role of a product, you, you cannot do that from a technology innovation perspective alone. You really have to look at it um, in parallel from lots of sides and you need that cross-functional team to make that happen. You have to think how you're going to market it. You have to think where you're going to sell it. You have to think what's the, the longer term strategy, what product is going to have to come next in parallel with the product development and technology side. Um, if we had not done those four, four things in parallel, we would have missed something which made you a success. Maybe we'd have missed our developer program. Maybe we'd have tried to sell it um, in a regular lighting store. Uh, maybe we'd have not made the bulb software updatable. Um, and those would have all been things which would have, yeah, I think, dramatically hurt the success um, of where we are today. So I think that cross-functional thinking to create a breakthrough, um, that's something that really worked well uh, for Philips Hue. Um, and yeah, definitely, if you need to make a breakthrough, that is the way you do it. You need that cross-functional team look at it from all axes. Um, the second thing um, which I, I, I think I've, I've learned is the power of platforms. When we first launched Philips Hue, it actually did not do that much, right? Literally, all you could do was recall scenes, right? Um, and today, if you look at the breadth of things you can do with Philips Hue, with entertainment synchronization, with wake-up routines, um, with voice assistant integrations, all of that stuff all came later. Um, the initial product, if I look at it today, is extremely, extremely basic. So embracing the power of platforms so that you make them better over time and you bring your consumers along on a journey um, and you embrace third parties innovating on top of your platform, that I think is really what has accelerated uh, Hue um, you know, to the heights it is today. And, and that's a bit scary because you launch something not knowing what it will be in the future. You, you make yourself vulnerable by opening it up to let other people build on top of what you have. Um, but that has been a huge success. I think there's a bit of a leap of faith when it comes to investing in a platform. But yeah, if you can pull it off, you really get this kind of multiplicative benefits um, that everything you do builds on top of everything you've done before. And you can even enlist external companies to make it even better. And that's worked extremely well for you. So we shouldn't be afraid of doing that again. Oh, those are great, great lessons, uh, great takeaways. Now what I'm going to do is I want to ask you five alternative questions. So these are five questions that have nothing to do with Philips Hue or your role, but just about who you who you are and just so uh, I can get to know you. So are you okay with that? Sure. What is a secret talent you have? Something you're really good at that other people might be surprised by. Uh, I. It's um, a difficult question, Ryan. Um, I think um, something that I am am good at is is visualizing things, and, and maybe people would expect that of me. Um, but I'm much better at visualizing things than realizing things. So I need to team up with people to make something real. But getting the picture of what I want to build or make happen um, in my mind, 
and then being able to describe it to someone. I am quite good at that, but actually turning that into something real and practical, I need people around me um, to make it uh, make it tangible. And I think that's you know also the, the power of a team. And I, I do that at work, but I also do that in my private life. I, I love building things um, for my home or for for gifts. And I have a great partnership with my my wife there, who is practical and handy at actually uh, building things and turning my crazy ideas into reality. So I think that's that's my kind of secret to secret talents that I I do use both personally and professionally. Could you give an example of something that you you and your wife teamed up on uh, on recently, a, a gift or a, a project? Sure. So the uh, the best thing I've ever made, maybe with the exception of Philips Hue. Um, is actually a custom Settlers of Catan set that I made as a gift for my sister's wedding. Uh, and and I, I imagined this complicated puzzle set interaction of, uh, of pieces that make a solid board, which can still be fit into a small box with all, all custom pieces. And my, my wife and I uh, actually yeah, found a way of making that uh, that real. And, and so uh, it, was, it was quite a project to uh, 3D printing and laser cutting various pieces, but the end result is a is, is a beautiful, unique gift. So I think that's a, a thing I'm very proud of. Wow, I'm I'm so glad I asked. Do you have a a ritual or or a routine or something you do in the morning to get yourself ready for the day, get yourself psyched up, or conversely, something you do in the evening to kind of unwind as a sign the day is over? My I'm not really a morning person. So mornings are always a bit of a rush to uh, get kids uh, ready for school before I get in the evening. I uh, I, I tend to, uh, to 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 work out to to tire myself out um, to help me fall asleep uh, better. So I think that's that's the only real thing I do. I, I tend to have a bit of an erratic schedule. I'm not a very strict person, so it tends to be whatever comes up at the moment. But I think the the one. Thing, and especially uh, since uh, since the lockdown, uh, that's added a bit of structure to the day to yeah, try and wear myself out uh, in the evening before I uh, before I fall asleep. And and what's your exercise of choice? I also like to try and mix it up. I, I, I rock climb, I mountain bike. Yeah, late lately uh, I uh, bought a, a cross trainer during the lockdown, um, which I use in the evenings. Also used during uh, during meetings sometimes when it's more listening right. um, to get more efficiency out. But uh, mixture of things cool uh what's a book or movie that you've recommended to someone recently i I must say um my uh my time spent reading has dramatically been impacted by having kids i I have uh, more or less stopped uh, reading books which is a bit uh, a bit sad i hope to pick that up again when they're a bit older yeah movies i'm a i'm a big kind of superhero movie uh, fan um, so I watch all of the the Marvel and DC uh, movies, um, and I, I I actually am very impressed and and, and like how uh, the the last uh, era of the Marvel movies uh, have ended. So I always recommend that, uh, and also recommend also what Disney is doing with the uh, kind of spin off TV sequels uh, recently. So I think that's what I would say. Um, yeah, they're fun, fun, silly movies. Don't take themselves too seriously, and I think that's what I enjoy. So great! I'm, I'm going to push you. What is the, the the one you just say? Oh, like grab this. This one was doesn't need to be the best. You can rethink it later. But you know what I mean. Like right now, what would be the uh, the movie or the or the Disney uh, reboot TV show that you would you would recommend? I really really liked um, uh, Endgame, yeah. Avengers Endgame. Uh, the movie itself, I enjoyed. It was fun. Didn't take itself too seriously. Um, but just that it 
actually did a reasonable job of pulling together the past, whatever it is, 12, 15 mm. movies and gave it a, a finish. Right. I think that was really impressive. I mean, that's really a, you know, a 10 year plan, which comes to culmination. And I think that's really impressive to have that, that foresight in, in building an, an architecture for a whole universe. Yeah, that's no, no small feat. <laughs> Indeed. What is the oldest item in your possession? I have an, um, an antique coffee table with like inlaid like semi-precious stone chest set in the, in the, in the lid that I inherited from my grandmother that was, uh, was, was built in, uh, in, in Cyprus where my, uh, my grandpa, my great grandparents are from, um, that I, I inherited, which, uh, I, I kind of is, has a special place for me. It comes from, uh, my, uh, my, my heritage and, uh, belonged to, uh, yeah, people who are sadly not with us anymore. So I think mm. that's probably the oldest thing in my home. Yeah. Do you or have you played chess on it? Not recently. Not recently. Um, when my kids are a bit older, I will. I'll also add another one. My oldest IoT gadget I have in my home. And actually one of my favorite uh, IoT gadgets uh, uh, is a, um, a Withings weight scale. Uh, so it's, uh, it's something which uh, I, I really appreciate because it didn't change my interaction. Right. So I, I always had a non-connected weight scale. And then this one, it works like a normal weight scale, but it just automatically in the background syncs all the information. So I have a decade of, of history of, of ups and downs of ah. me uh, trying to slim down for my wedding, of me uh, giving myself away when uh, I had no sleep with kids first there. And right. I, I just really love that it just keeps keeps working and yeah, didn't make me change anything. It just enriched a ritual I had every morning. Ah, that's great. And because that information is stored, you can you can look back and get a bit. Oh, yeah, that was good. Or this was bad. Or, you know, or that's that's super cool. What is a a meal that you you enjoy cooking for the for the family or, or, or for guests? Yep, I, 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 I love cooking. Um, I love uh, creating things. It's, a, it's a, a, a nice way of doing that with low threshold. Yeah, I have a few. Uh, Signature dishes. I, I, I do try out a few things. I do make a very good uh, beef Wellington. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, a, a beef that I uh, that I sous vide cook uh, and then wrap in uh, duck cell sauce and, and ham and pastry. Um, that's a bit of a, a, a treat that I do maybe uh, once or twice a year when I have uh, friends over. Maybe, maybe that's the one I choose. But I, I quite like these grand centerpiece Sunday lunch uh, things. I've, I've tried making porchettas before or, uh, or other joints of meat. So Okay. So you cook a beef wellington. Who is an, a dinner guest? Someone, you know, like a, they don't need to be a celebrity, but someone, you know, well-known or, a, you know, a, who you would love to have over and have at the dinner table to enjoy that with? You ask me difficult questions. Now, so um, for me, the most important is to... Uh, is to, to, to share these kind of things with friends, family, people I know well. I mean, at the moment, the main thing I would like is to invite people, invite my, my brother, sister and parents over for lunch. And it's so weird having them be in different countries and not be able to visit them. But no, I, I like doing it for, for, for friends and family. I, I'm actually, yeah, people don't maybe really notice this, but I, I, 
I'm not a big fan of, of, of strangers and, and small talk and getting to know new people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have my kind of small, close-knit group of friends and I spend time with them. And exposing myself to new people is, is not my favorite thing. I find it much easier in a kind of uh, defined format setting, like we have a chat now. I'm fine with that because there's a defined right. purpose. Yeah. But when it's uh, socializing with new people, I, I find that uh, not my favorite thing. So actually, I'd rather have people I know than some new people even if they're celebrities. That is a great answer. Because of course, we're just trying to trying to get to know you and you're like, yes, if I had any could choose anybody, it would be to be with people I, I know and care about. That's a that's a great answer. We're now at the the end or the certainly the, the tail end of the uh, of our discussion. Is there anything that you'd like to mention or, or leave us with at this point? Yeah, I think maybe just uh, just to, to reflect, um, not just on Philips Hue, but I think about Signify as a, as, as a whole and the lighting industry as a whole. Um, yeah, it, it's not an industry that gets a huge amount of attention. Um, and, and I really believe that is undeserved. Right. Uh, I think everyone who, who, who looks at lighting and works in lighting should be super excited and, and, and proud that we are making one of the only products in the world that is around us, above our heads, 24-7, no matter where we go, right? And I think it should really be our mission to get more people to pay attention to that and to think about what more it could do um, than just uh, shining light on what we're doing. Um, There's so, so, so much potential to to leverage how ubiquitous it is. Um, And so I think it's all of our our challenge and mission to to change that. That is a great note to leave us on because it is really reinforces the work we do at Signify. And a little bit, I like that it reinforces the work of this podcast, which is to spread the uh, spread the message of the uh, of what the uh, lighting industry can do and of what Signify, particularly as a company is doing so. George, I will say thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to uh, to have this conversation and for sharing uh, sharing all of this. I, I really enjoyed it. You're welcome. Well, there it was, my chat with George Yanni. And I have to say, I think it was fascinating. If you enjoyed the chat as much as I did, or even almost as much as I did, then you should subscribe to this podcast in your podcast place and rate and review it. Also, if you want a custom Settlers of Catan game board, reach out to George. No, don't do not do that. I, I was just kidding. He never offered to make extra Settlers of Catan game boards. But I have to say, that was a great answer. Speaking of Signify, is executive produced and hosted by me, Ryan Miller. If you want to know more about what I do, check out ryanmillar.com. The Speaking of Signify team includes Iman Faruqi, Martin Kottmeyer, and Fanny Kovacs. With production assistance an intriguing mentorship from Lloydie James Lloyd and Jonathan Gruber. The music is by Sasha Hudemacher. So that's the end of this episode of Speaking of Signify. We'll be back soon with another one when we'll once again be speaking of Signify. <laughs>